Welcome back to Market on Close. It's time for some overlooked stocks. George Tillis digging through the dirt to find diamonds on this Friday. That's how he spends his free time for you, viewer, every day. Okay, George, uh, let's start with uh, the education company that you've got. Uh, but this is a Latin America focus. Interesting, George. Walk us through the case for Laureate Education. Yeah, it is a Latin American focus company now. In fact, it used to also include uh, Walden University, which was based in the United States, uh, which was spun off. So Laureate is, uh, for those who don't know it, it's basically a private uh, education company. It's got university and colleges now that are focused primarily in Mexico and Latin America. Uh, it did spin off recently Walden Universities, and it generated about a billion three in cash. But uh, essentially, uh, its enrollment rates uh, really are contingent upon uh, people going to campuses. And I think that's one of the uh, catalysts behind this name, which is up about 35% over the last year. The other thing is, I think uh, the financial performance of the company, which has really struggled altogether, and I think it has to do with some of the regulations. We know that China has become very, very, uh, very scrutiny, uh, scrutinized. Uh, against its private education companies, uh, companies like New Oriental Education, which are down to about 85%. We've seen them in the news. I think in the United States, there's been some regulatory scrutiny as well, but uh, that's actually okay for Laureate because they spun off their U.S. division. They're gonna be paying out a special dividend uh, for shareholders, I believe, that are owners of uh, record by the 29th of October. I could be wrong, so if you're interested in that, you'd have to take a look at your, yourself. But performance-wise, uh, this seems to be one where uh, it's going to be operationally better going forward. It's going to be leaner. And I think it's also going to face fewer regulatory hurdles because I did notice that it's trading quite a bit higher than a more profitable peer like Strayer Education Group, which is a U.S.-centric-based for-profit education company. I did find that uh, Laureate's profit margins uh, in the last uh, quarter were down about 9% significantly below a major competitor like Strayer, but uh, stock price performance is much higher. So I think there might be some regulatory hurdles that uh, are being or are developing in the United States for the for-profit education companies. And I don't think Laureate now, after having spun off Walden University, is, uh, is susceptible to that. And I think that's why the price is to the upside. Interesting, okay. So uh, definitely standing out uh, in the group. Uh, George, uh, and uh, you know, right now we know that this sector is very popular uh, and investors definitely want a piece of it. The question is uh, which piece, and lately the China trade has not really been a great one uh, to be in uh, this right. business. So uh, when you look at this, George, is there a potential for it to kind of suck in some of that flow and interest from the rest of the space if they're doing it right, if they're doing well here? Yeah, I think there's a possibility for those that are invested in the industry group, there could certainly be a rotation into a, a more solid performer and one that has, I think, more pre predictable revenue. The only challenge that I see is, is that when you spin off a large uh, division of your company, you lose that revenue base. So I think in this particular instance, Laureate is going to be a more lean company. Uh, overall, it's top line sales. I don't necessarily see them growing. In the double digits, I see somewhere between five and maybe eight percent, and that's about the same clip it was uh, growing at last quarter. Okay, not so bad. I think it's a steady grower, but I also think, yeah, I, I do think that uh, once they focus more on Latin America, they could make some strategic acquisitions in Latin America, and that will improve the scalability and, of course, the revenue base. So, right now, I think they're in a transition. They've lost a significant amount of revenue. They did generate a lot of cash. That's a good sign. They're paying quite a bit of the cash out of the dividend. 
Uh, and again, for those who are interested in that, they can look at the details and when that's paid out. Uh, but I do think they are, they're more lean now going forward, and they need to be because their profitability had suffered uh, quite a bit over the last year or so. And that has to do, of course, with declining enrollments and, and of course, on-campus uh, presence uh, with uh, students not being there because of COVID. So that'll improve. I think uh, maybe some strategic acquisitions in Latin America will improve its geographical presence and scalability, and that might be uh, mm. one of the catalysts as well as uh, why the stock price would continue higher. Well, George, thanks for educating us on that one. L-A-U-R. Uh, interesting. Uh, definitely uh, overlooked for sure. You've hit the nail on the uh, subject matter there, George. Definitely uh, overlooked. Okay. Let's go over to International Game Tech, IGT. This one's been on our list before. Continues to run. George, this is right in the gambling trade that everybody wants a piece of right now. This looks like one of the best ways to play it. It's beating the heck out of the casinos. It's even beating DraftKings. This is the one that makes slots and like ticket printing devices and the stuff that like the physical casino stuff, right? Yeah, in fact, uh, I'll start with that, that uh, reference to physical casinos. Uh, if we're talking about online gaming and online sports betting, the physical based casinos and technology companies like IGT are outperforming. I'll, I'll explain why in just a sec, but basically IGT or National Game really competes with one other uh, game technology company that's scientific games. So these these two companies effectively have a large market share globally for operating, uh, you know, technology, software, and of course, uh, product installations for lottery machines, uh, slot machines, and of course, uh, you know, poker machines and all those uh, machines you see in the casinos. But the other thing, it's got a global gaming technologies systems division, and that includes online gaming and software. And in fact, one of their, actually two of their customers, uh, one is a major competitor of DraftKings, and that's FanDuel, as well as Caesars. Uh, IGT sells to them, not just in slot machines, but also now in, uh, in sports betting and of course, online gaming. And IGT now is uh, now deploying their, uh, their play sports platform. And it's basically sort of a turnkey solutions for casinos that are brick and mortar that want to power their sports betting operations in a hybrid fashion. And what I mean by that is, is on-site and off-premise, you know, kind of like a hybrid cloud uh, systems or hybrid software security systems. Uh, that seems to be where the casinos are going. They would like to have the ability for their customers to come in-house and bet, but also take their betting on the go through mobile software and applications. And that's uh, where IGT is moving. And I think uh, this is promising uh, the, uh, of course, cyclical nature of the casinos, COVID closures and things like that, the uh, on-premise based casinos like Caesars, which is also moving more into the sports gaming world uh, online, but IGT and scientific games really are focused on foot traffic. And that these are companies that are generating long-term contracts and casinos mm. themselves are generating a lot of operating leverage through, through more foot traffic, which is, I think has benefited their businesses from a stock standpoint much more so than a pure digital company like DraftKings. And I think maybe DraftKings was just a little huh. bit overvalued as well to start with. But regardless, uh, IGT is a very profitable company at gross margins around 49%, but net margins are close to 30%. And Still that's pretty big. George, twice as expensive hardware as its five-year average price to book, price to cash flow, like twice it's... Yeah. five-year average valuation because it's gotten it is. obviously this big move do you think that is your but your point is that even after that move it's still maybe not as uh, overvalued or frothy as some of the more digital only gambling trades correct here's the thing you bring up fantastic points if you were to look at Thank this you. company now relative to its historical 
book values, yes, it's, it's, it's over, but you got to think about the transformative nature now of installing um, uh, basically low cost per unit uh, software. And that's what you have to think about with IGT. Ah, it's okay. not necessarily like they're installing more hardware. If it was only hardware based OJ, lotto machines and slot machines and such, I would say maybe mm. maybe there's a little bit of evaluation. It's software. They're merging into and their multiple will, will start to converge closer to the pure online gaming uh, companies like DraftKings. And I think that's one of the underlying catalysts behind it. So it's, a, it's an excellent point to, to make, OJ. Uh, I agree, if you look at that, it's gonna seem overvalued, but you also have to think about the hybrid transformative nature of their business to online betting, which is uh, a very a much lower cost mm. and higher margin component of growth. All right. Hey, George, uh, 45 seconds on your last one today. Just a quick uh -oh. update on yeah, that. That's tough. Maybe 60. Zora, Z-U-O, a nice bounce as uh, Morgan right. Stanley turns from bear to neutral, and they push the price target up on this more traditional cloud-based subscription billing, commerce, yes. and software program. Correct. I'll, I'll add to that that Craig Hallium also initiated coverage the other day with a buy rating at $24. Ah, so okay. A couple analysts that are on Zora now, which is a cloud-based enter enterprise resource planning company. It's software as a service, but here's the thing. We talk about you know subscriptions as uh, a service and revenue, uh, recurring revenue. Zora is a company that helps industries and companies transform into a subscription business nice. uh, and, and a recurring revenue business by helping them manage there are order to cash process for like uh, you know billings, quotings, collections, analytics, but also revenue recognition. So they cater to industries across the board from software, hardware, media, transport, retail, education. But I think it's an interesting company from the standpoint of uh, facilitating uh, a business-to-business -business transformation of other companies' reconciliation of uh, recurring revenue. So uh, it's basically. Uh, you know, uh, software as a service sort of square. They help other companies generate recurring revenues uh, on a software as a service basis. So uh, overall, 15 15% 15 revenue growth. Uh, I think this is uh, a company that has margin expansion. Maybe this is what uh, Morgan Stanley and Craig Halley MC. Ah. Uh, they lost about 77 million last year on about 325 million in revenue. But overall, I think it's a consistent grower in the mid-teens, trading around five times trailing sales, which was which was pretty pretty respectable considering mid-teens growth, but it's an interesting disruptor company, and I don't see very many publicly traded competitors in their space, so uh, if anyone's interested in them, they can do their own research and, and take a look. I mean, software that helps other companies turn into a software company, it sounds like you're at the nexus of the yeah. bull universe in tech. I mean, it's like a vortex of cloud. Uh, okay, GT, nice work. It's definitely unique. All right. Good to have you here as always, George. Have a great weekend, sir. Thanks for the Overlook stocks. A lot of interesting ones this week.